I want it all to say she left no stone unturned. It was an examined life. It was one all filled all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. But mostly I want every single one of you to be able to say with a full and grateful heart she left me better than she found me. I want to spend the rest of my life here with you. That God might sustain us in these efforts for so long as he shall need us. I want to spend all the rest of my days here with you, looking you in the eye and asking you to please tell me again. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy from deep in the heart of Texas, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That was the voice of the incredible Miss Brenda J that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you are going to hear so much more from her in just a moment. And I know you're going to enjoy it. But first things first, this episode The one you're listening to right here, right now, is brought to you by Kimberly, Patricia, Kathy, Cade, and Rebecca. Kimberly, Patricia, Kathy, Cade, and Rebecca all went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Miss Kimberly. Patricia, Kathy, Cade, and Rebecca, once again, this episode's going out to you. We're going to let all the other folks listen in. You know what I'm saying, right? But this episode is going out to you. And I just want to go ahead and reiterate again that please be assured that the donations that all of you give to me goes directly to the expenses related to the podcast, such as software subscriptions and hardware associated with the show. I will never, quote, profit from the prop from the podcast just trying to give away what was so freely given to me this ladies and gentlemen is service work so i mr john m will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings and i am truly honored and privileged to be serving all of you listening in. If you want to join the secret Facebook group, as a reminder, all you do is send me your email associated with your 
mm, Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and I will get you out the invite. Or if you just want to get on our email list, you can send me your email uh, as well. If you want to follow me on the Instagram, it is at SoberSpeak, all one word. And ladies and gentlemen, if you were enjoying this episode or any of the other episodes, I would truly appreciate it if you share this uh, with uh, either your uh, friends or family, uh, whoever you think could benefit from them. I do not want to keep people like Miss Brenda J a secret at all. So nonetheless, all right, so this Ladies and gentlemen, is a Sober Speak live event that you are about to hear. I know only a small portion of you can make it to the Sober Speak live event, so we go ahead and record it. And we get it out to you guys. And I've had many people ask me when this is going to be released, so here it is. Brenda J during this particular episode covers in essence what she calls four chambers of the heart. We go a little off topic sometimes, but we cover grief compassion, forgiveness, and grief. And you're going to hear all of that from her. I'm not going to spoil it by trying to go into the details. So, and just so you know, we were so, so fortunate to have the outstanding Miss Wendy Child perform at our live event. And by the way, if you want to catch her on Spotify, she is at, uh, uh, anyway, you just look, you go to Spotify and you look up Wendy Child, C-H-I-L-D, no S on the end. And uh, so we recorded her, but however, the audio recorded did not come out as uh, pristine as we would have liked to have had it come out. And with that being said, I, I wanted to include all of her songs. So I am going to play all four or five of her songs that she performed on the back end of this episode, as opposed to on the front end, which is actually what occurred during the live event. It's not horrible audio, and I cleaned it up best I could, but uh, you will notice some of the jumps and a bit of distortion there as, hey... That's life in the big city, right? Just like sobriety, things do all not always go according to plan, if you know what I mean. So we just adjust accordingly, right? I always say, God's been good to me. He let hardly anything work out the way I had it planned. All right. Now, without further ado, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Miss Brenda J. And I will have listener feedback at the end of this episode. Hello, everybody. My name is, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. This is Sober Speak Live. And my name is John M. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I am an alcoholic. To remind us of why we're all here and to focus our thoughts on that purpose, we ask all who we care to to join me in a moment of silent meditation followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we go on anymore, please everybody thank Wendy for all that beautiful music. Yay! 
That is Wendy Child, and we are so fortunate that she shares our talents with us here at Sober Speak. So, out of respect for those sharing, please silence your cell phones for the duration of the meetings. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any, any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any, any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. This is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, which means that anyone can attend, and we're so glad y'all are here. If you are new to AA or recovery, please see the newcomer chair people after this meeting who are uh, Tiffany. Tiffany's the, for the women right there. Is he Tiffany for the women? And uh, Curry, Curry right over there. Curry for the men, please. All right, Curry. <laughs> All right, so basically what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go through some time with Ms. Brenda. We'll have a little bit more music with Wendy, and then we will close it out. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Ms. Brenda J. Yay! So Brenda, if you would please... Go ahead, introduce yourself, and give your sobriety date if you so wish to do so. My name is Brenda. I'm a recovering lesbian, Hispanic, Catholic, drug addict, full-figured woman. <laughs> well, that is an unusual introduction, uh, but I love it. So let me ask you this right off the bat. Why is it that you like to introduce yourself that way. I was in Florida. Uh, I went to go, they're going to listen. They're probably hearing, hello, everyone, in the Facebook. <laughs> Isn't that what old people call it on the Facebook? Thank you. So I was in Florida one time, and I introduced myself like that from the podium. I was speaking at the Florida State Convention, and there were about six, 8,000 people there. And I introduced myself, and about... I don't know, 800 people got up and walked out. Really? So I told, yeah. So I told the people in the back, hey, there's seats up front. Um, and the woman pulled me over after and she said, Brenda, she said, why can't you just be an alcoholic? Why do you have to introduce yourself like that? And I said to her, I said, one of the things that I got when I got here was that I finally arrived at a place where there was room for me. And I'm just trying to tell people that no matter what, the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking, and then there's room for you after that. And I said, with all due respect, I don't think they're getting that message from you. I, John, let's not start off with controversy. So, <laughs> I have a few very, very close friends here this evening that I, I mean, I just love them. And I wanted to take a moment to recognize them. And because they are so close to me, I wrote down their names. <laughs> so I'd like to, uh, we'll be back to you, Johnny. Yeah, go a for it. <laughs> so I wanted to say hello to our best friends. That would be Ron and Michelle J. They're our best friends. I guess I should have 
told them that before I told you. We love you. So another welcome to the people who've already decided at this early point in the evening that you don't like me. I know, right? I get, you know, I get, it's not, it's not always a lot of fun doing this kind of stuff because everybody's got an opinion about it, right? Like, Brenda, be sure you tell people, how, you know, what page it's on in the book. And they're like, Brenda, don't read out of the book. Brenda, be funny. Brenda, this is not funny. Brenda, and I'm like, really, people? And so all I'm saying is, it's just my turn tonight. Right? <laughs> if you don't like it, it'll be somebody else's turn next time. <laughs> I'd like to welcome my friends here from Al-Anon. I don't know if you know, I've been in Al-Anon for 15 years, and some of those folks are here. Shut up. Okay. Hey, fabulous. And I would, listen, I would ask them to stand up and be recognized, but if this doesn't go well tonight... <laughs> We are going to blame you <laughs> because somehow it's always your fault. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If you did not have a predetermined time when I was supposed to be home, I would never be late. <laughs> so, I, um, so listen, about my appearance, because anytime I listen to a speaker, I wonder, I wonder what they look like, right? And there's people listening to this on Facebook that have no idea. So I want you guys to know out there in the stratosphere that my hair looks fabulous today. It Thank does. you, John. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Um, also, I would describe myself as um, slender. <laughs> Ish. And um, toned, <laughs> like Mexican toned, <laughs> which is different from the toned you thought. There, I think they have enough to work with, yeah. Well, we decided to kind of uh, uh, at least center the talk around tonight was four different topics and around the holidays, right? Those were grief, forgiveness, compassion, and grace. And I have heard you before describe those as the four chambers of the heart. Grief, forgiveness, compassion, and grace. So why do you refer to those as the four chambers of the heart? Those tend to be the four areas in my experience where we get stuck. At least, at least that's what happened to me. I could like you. I could listen to your explanation about why you did that. I could kind of even understand why you did it. But when it came to forgiveness, I was unfamiliar. I knew that God loved me. I knew that he existed. I knew that he had plans for people. I knew that other people were fans of his work. But when it came to extending any kind of grace toward me, I was unfamiliar. I could look at you and, and, and understand that you were going through a hard time and that things had been difficult and that then you had come out of the ashes in your own life, but I had a hard time getting to compassion when what you were doing was bothering me. And grief tends to be the thing that, in my experience, I like get stuck there because I come to Alcoholics Anonymous and I hear, work the steps. Surrender, give it to God, all of that. But like, I don't know how to do that when my, com when my heart is completely shattered into a thousand pieces. And so when I talk about these things being the four chambers of the heart, 
It's about an exercise in how do I move from one to the other? How do I move from forgiveness to compassion to, to, to grief and work through that and get, and get on the other side of that? And, and working the steps and being here, sometimes it takes getting cancer to move us, to move me. Sometimes it takes a near-death experience, a divorce, something to move me from where I am to the next thing. But I found that working the steps and being awake and, and, and being intentional about my life, I can move through those things. I can be moved through those things by my own tears. It's not, they're, they're not that far apart. Sometimes when, when I feel an incredible amount of joy, I cry. Why is that? Well, because it's, it's pushed up right next to my pain. It's pushed up right next to my forgiveness area. It's, and, so, and so I call them the four chambers because those are the things that have been awakened in me as a result of working the steps. And that is where the real freedom has come for me in my own life. Somebody named Vanessa actually get the, came up with this question for me. They sent it in. And I thought it was great. She said, if you could ask Brenda J. to have her sober self sit next to her actively using self, what would you say they could learn from each other about grief? Forgiveness, compassion, and grace. First of all, Vanessa. <laughs> I'm going to need for you not to roll up on me with that kind of serious question. <laughs> Vanessa, call your sponsor. <laughs> so, what my, so what my sober person could say to my active using alcoholic about an addict, about grief and forgiveness and compassion and forgiveness would be, I'm going to wait here with you. I'm going to wait here with you until we can get there. But I know my way there. And what my addict could teach my sober woman about those things is, it is much easier to talk about that process than it is to commit to it. The addict in my life could tell my sober person, I need a minute. I need to reach for whatever is closest to me that will change the way I feel. And right now, this is it. And the question becomes, since you looking all pretty and wonderful and delicious up there on that stage, the question is, can you sit here with me till I find my own way? That's exactly what the newcomers ask us all the time. Can you sit here with me until I find my way? And so the lesson for each of those sides of myself, for, for who I am sober and who I was using, is, is that whole idea of, if I show you who I am, can you be okay with that? If, if as a sober person, I can show you how happy I am, if I can show you how free I am, can the addict sit with that? And as an addict, if I show you how broken I am and the places that the wounds are still open, can you sit here with that? Can you provide an example of a time that you have experienced forgiveness, either as the recipient or the one giving forgiveness. 
I have a sister who I affectionately refer to as Satan. (laughs) (laughs) And my sponsor's first direction to me about my sister after I got sober was that I take a minute the next time we're in the middle of a heated argument and look at her and say to her, you may be right. And I'm like, yeah, so that's not going to happen. And she said, well, why not? I'm like, because she's never been right about anything. She said, it doesn't matter. Just say the words. Just tell her you may be right. Listen, with this one particular sister, I had done nothing but kept score. She had been nothing but evil. And I had been nothing but right. And so that, that was a long score sheet. And I want you to know that it started from that place where I looked at her one day and I said, you may be right. And slowly I moved through the steps and realized that the best thing I could do for both of us is to get away from her. And I got away from her. And then funerals brought us together. And passings brought us together. And one day, for a reason I still don't understand, I called her when I went back to my hometown and I said, I'm going to be in town. I'd like to come visit. And I'm on the phone going, who said that? <laughs> and she says, that's, that's fine. Come over. And I found my, I, I, so I'm driving to her house in the car, sober many years going, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm upset that you put those words in my mouth and I do not want to go. And I got to her house and I sat down on the couch and I'm still wondering, what am I doing here? And when she got up from the couch, she was going to walk across the room and she stumbled to fall and I, and I, and I, and I reached for her and I caught her. And when I reached for her and I caught her, I realized that God had taken all of those things that I'd been right about that God had taken all of those things that I had been offended over. That God had taken that little bit of willingness and turned it into forgiveness so that when she fell, I went to catch her. The thing about forgiveness is that if I do it to put me one up or one down, it's not forgiveness. If I forgive you, but I reserve the right to bring it up (laughs) during the holidays, then that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness for me means I hold no part of you hostage anymore. That the pain of keeping you here with me outweighs the freedom that I get by letting you go as long as the benefit of holding you hostage outweighs the benefit of being free I will continue to hold you hostage listen there's nothing worse than realize you haven't forgiven somebody until it's time for you to go ask for forgiveness try that think about somebody for a minute somebody you hadn't forgiven I know you hadn't forgiven them because they're wronger than you I get it So I haven't forgiven them, but think about somebody that you have to go to to forgiveness and wonder about the reception you should get. Sometimes I forgive people because I'm tired. It ain't no spiritual, there's nothing spiritual about that. Sometimes I just forgive you because I'm tired. 
I had the opportunity to, I had the opportunity to say, God, listen, I'm going to have to visit with you. So there's about eight people that have wronged me bad. And I, I'm going to have to lock them up. So I'm going to build a jail, and I'm going to put these eight folks in. And he's like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Let's do it. And so I built a spiritual jail. Eight cells, beautiful, plain. So I put everybody in there. And when I put them in their cells, I declared why they were in there so everybody would know. So we got to the end of the first day. Everybody's in their cell. And I said, whoo, all right, this looks good. And God's like, all right, well, hey, have fun. I'm going to have to go. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, oh, he goes, nothing about me. He's about locking people up. So I'm not really about this. I just want to see how it's going to turn out for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I looked and realized that none of the cells had locks. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. None of the things have locks. They're going to get out. They're going to get out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, they are. But so it looks like if you want to keep them in there, you're going to have to stay and watch them. (laughs) And I looked at God. I said, you know what? I don't mind. Because they were wronger. Est. (laughs) Full. And so I'm going to sit right here till they understand what they did. And life went by. And my friends went by. And my freedom went by. And then I realized that I was going to have to let them go. Because I couldn't stay and watch them anymore. That's forgiveness. When I just get willing to let you go. While you're speaking, I'm uh, going back in my head and I'm thinking about the time we were recording an episode and you talked about your, the relationship with your father and the passing of your father. Can you share that with the listeners out here, please? No. <laughs> so my dad... So my dad, like I realized later what a courageous guy he was because there were nine of us. <laughs> Who's going to come home every day? <laughs> to nine of us. I get into Alcoholics Anonymous and I start making a list of all the things and areas in which that man fell short. And I'm like, he never hugged me. He never put me on his knee and told me that he loved me. He never looked me in the eye and said that of all the little girls that God could have given him, that he was so glad he got me. He never did that. What's wrong with me now was wrong because I, I started with such a deficit. And I would share that in meetings, and it was factual in nature. And everybody else whose daddy hadn't picked him up would say at the meeting, uh-huh. So then I'm sober, I don't know, five years, seven years, and my dad got sick, and he got cancer, and they called me at work one day, and they said, you're going to have to come come home, because uh, we're all over here at mom's house. And I walked through the house and stuff, and I'm like, where's dad? And they're like, he's in the, he's in the back bedroom. So I opened the door to the back bedroom, and I looked over at him, and this guy that had been this man my whole life, he looked like this little boy. 
He was sitting on his little hospital bed, and he was wearing his pajamas, and his little feet barely touched the floor. And I looked over at him, and this question, this question came to me, and it said, Brenda, can you do for your father what he could never do for you? And I went over, and I sat next to my father, and my shoulder touched his shoulder. And my knee touched his knee and looked him in the eye and I said, Dad, I want you to know that of all the men that God could have given me to be my father, I want you to know how happy I am that I got you. I I love you. And and I'm not leaving. And my dad stood up. And he put his arms around me. And he starts to sob. I remember it because it was the first time that I took a deep breath. All the way in. And all the way out. With my dad. Jen wrote in and she says, uh, I still get angry. Does that mean I haven't forgiven yet? No, I recommend being pissed as long as you can get away with it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give up being angry because the only option then is surrender. (laughs) But see, surrender is the point. If you ever go to a meeting and you're late and you come and sit down next to me and you ask me what the topic is, I'm going to say, it's surrender. (laughs) No matter what the topic is, it's always about surrender. So the fact that I feel angry, the only thing that that tells me is that I have work to do. My problem isn't that I'm angry. My problem is that I pass judgment on the fact that I'm angry. That's my pain. My pain isn't my experience. My pain is my judgment of the experience. My pain is my judgment of you. I walk around. You remember those back in the whenever days it was that you could put the little tape in it and then you put S and then it would make a little label thing, right? Right? And then you could label things, right? And then you get to the end and you hit the scissors. And then you take it off and you put it on. Well, sometimes I wake up and I do that in my own life. Something will happen to me and I'm like, oh, that's a jerk. Jay? (laughs) E? Now, by then, the lights changed. So I'm going on to something else, but I do that. I do that like like my mom died. Right? My mom died and I got out my label maker and I said, B A D. That's a bad thing that happened. But it wasn't. It wasn't. That my mom passed away, that my mom went on. It wasn't a bad thing. My problem is I'm a label maker. Listen, pay attention. I'm not the only one. Sometimes I'll be at the meeting and I hear the clicking. 
I love it in particular when one person starts to share and everybody don't like him and they're like... I'm not going to point out people, but y'all know who you are. Should we forgive and forget? The only problem with not forgetting, listen, I'm going to forgive whoever made the stove, but recovering from third degree burns is not an easy thing to do. Right? So I can forgive you that you made a conscious decision to come over here and create a wound, I can forgive you for that. As a matter of fact, I have to forgive you for that because if not, I got to stay and watch you. So I'm going to forgive you for that, but the other thing you need to know is I'm finna love you from over there. So about that forgetting thing, I should never forget that thing that caused me pain, but I should forget what I decided about the person that did it. Let's move on to grief, another exciting topic. Merry Christmas, everybody! (laughs) Talk about resentment next. (laughs) How do we know when we are done with grief? And another way to put this is somebody asks, it has been years since the death of my loved one. Why do I not feel better? So the first question, how do I know when I'm done with grief? When the fact that you were here makes me happier than I am sad that you're gone. That's when I know I'm done. When I am so much more grateful that I loved you than I am heartbroken that you left. When I remember the things that brought us closer than the pain that separated us, that's when I know I'm done. And grief is tricky because, listen, this is just my experience. When I bring my grief to Alcoholics Anonymous, everybody sounds like a bumper sticker. (laughs) Let go, let God. Turn it over. Surrender to live. All really good suggestions. Not so much when I'm bleeding from the inside out. So when my mom died, I was living in Tampa at the time, and um, I had a home group there. And after my mom died, I went back, and I was sitting in, in my home group, and all I could do was walk into the meeting, put my head down on the table, and cry. Then I'd leave. Then I'd come back the next day, and I'd put my head down on the table, and I'd cry. It was not only what I could do, it was all I could do. I did that for about two weeks, and then one day I came in, I put my head down, and I started to cry, and somebody with the force of an elephant pushed how it works under my arms, because it was time for me to read. It was their way of letting me know, we've seen you, we hear you, we've been here with you, read. And I want you to know that I picked up how it works off that table, and I swear it must have taken me 20 minutes to get through it. You know what those people in that room did for 20 minutes? Not a thing. 
Nobody moved. Nobody went to go get coffee. Nobody went to go smoke. No, no. They just stayed for 20 minutes. That's like bordering on the miraculous. And so, so grief is tricky, especially for the people that haven't done their own work. I remember going to meetings talking about what it felt like when my father died, when my mom died. And I'd have people say to me, honey, that's something you're supposed to talk to your sponsor about. To which I'd say, honey, you better back up off of me because you finna have to talk to your sponsor about something else. (laughs) The book says we will keep our eye out for progress. That's all I was trying to make was a little bit of progress. (laughs) So listen, love Here's, here's, the thing, here's the thing about love. Listen, we think that love for me is what happens on the surface of my relationships. It's, I think that it's what happens in, in my interaction with you. And if I love you, I give you presents and you give me presents, which by the way, my birthday's next week, but never mind. <laughs> and so, and so like, and then we share things and we go to movies and we go to the theater, but what we don't know is happening with love is that when all that is growing on the surface, there's a bunch of roots growing down into the earth. And they run deep. And that's why just not some ordinary wind can knock over a tree made from love. That not not just any storm can wash that away because those roots run all the way deep. And so when we lose somebody... It isn't just about what's happened to me on the surface. It's about what's happened to all those roots. And so it takes us a minute. And I'm going to tell you that if it's been a long time since your loved one last left you and you still feel that kind of pain, it's just because you love them that deeply. And there is not one thing wrong with that, not on that day and not on this day and not ever. Someone asked, why did this happen to me? Why did what happen? Did you get to love somebody like that? (laughs) That you get to experience the fullness of God here? That you get to laugh from the bottom of your soul and know the insides of God and holding another people's hand by holding somebody else's hand? Why did that happen to you? It hurts like that because you got to do that. It's a fair exchange, I think. Being here at this church called Grace Avenue. It's a fitting topic for grace. Someone else asked the question about grace. I hear the the word grace all the time. What does grace really mean? Grace for me means mulligan. Mulligan? Yep. Can you dive into that a little further? Hey, listen, uh, when you're growing up on the streets in Boston, maybe, like you mess it up, your folks look at you, your people look at you, and they go, you know what, we're going to give you a mulligan. We're going to give you a minute to do better. That's what grace is. When I got to go to God and say, hey, listen, um, about that job, I didn't know that they were going to want me to be there. (laughs) And they were really messing with my meeting schedule. So 
I left with their computer. <laughs> I'm gonna need a mulligan. Or when I go to God and say, you gave me a perfectly good life. One that worked perfectly, reached perfectly, grew perfectly. I intoxicated that. The experience of being an alcoholic and an addict ripped that to shreds. I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous now and all I can do is return to you the pieces that I have left. I can only return to you, God. The pieces of that life I have left. And grace is when God looked at me and said, that has got to be the most beautiful thing that anybody has ever given me. Brenda, I saw what happened to you. I saw, I saw that whole experience of you being an addict and an alcoholic. It's a wonder you knew where these two pieces were, but they are precious. And grace happens to me when I get all the things that I no longer deserve. Grace is what happens to me when I get all the things that I no longer deserve. And then real grace is when I know how to open my heart enough to give it away free to you. So that when you mess up, when you make an error, when you are doing that unforgivable thing of thinking of yourself, I am capable of overlooking that and saying to you, it is more important to hold your hand than it is to hold you in contempt. It is more important to hold your heart than it is to hold you in hate. It is more important to hold you in this moment than to hold you hostage. That's grace. As you know, we hear a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous the term, but for the grace of God, there go I. What does that mean to you? I'm looking out at you guys. I know most of you. What that means is that most of you know me, and you came anyway. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of stuff left to happen to us. There's a whole bunch of stuff already happened to us, but there's a whole bunch of stuff left to happen to us. But for the grace, but for that moment of pause, but for the love of God, but for hope, when we should have none, but for healing, what we were sure was going to be broken forever, but for the grace of God. There, right there, in that person that put a gun to their head, in that person that got two life sentences for killing those people because they were driving on the wrong way of the freeway, and the mother who lost her sons and daughters because she could no longer care for them because she needed to drink. And the person who wound up completely paralyzed from the neck down. And the person who lost their eyesight 
and can no longer see the things I see so clearly, there but for the grace of God go I. If I had taken one more step toward alcohol and away from God, there but for the grace go I. If I had, had decided to hold on with long-term sobriety to one more resentment than to go to one more meeting, there but for the grace go I. In regards to compassion, why is it important to show compassion for people that get under our skin? I call them human sandpaper. Yeah, I call them my spiritual sandpaper. Listen, y'all just look around, see the other people sitting here tonight who usually drive you crazy at the AA meeting. <laughs> and these people are my spiritual sandpaper. God has sent them to me to help me work off all my edges. <laughs> we were sitting in a meeting recently and we were talking about the things that we do to stay sober the things that we do to stay in grace, the things that we do to stay in recovery. And people talked about going to meetings and they talk about taking inventory and having a service position and all that. And I kind of just chuckled. I kind of just laughed a little bit to myself because on July the 3rd of 1990, I had the same problem I had this morning. On July the 3rd of 1990, I did not have the power necessary to keep myself away from a drink. I had the same problem this morning. I still don't have enough power to keep myself away from a drink. And the thing that I think that, listen, if I think I'm going to meetings and sponsoring people and going to conferences so that I can keep myself sober, how is that me still not being in control? I don't do those things to keep me sober. I do those things to keep me surrendered so that God can keep me sober. I'm going to tell you the best kept secret about God when it comes to alcoholism. The one thing about God that my alcoholism did ne never wanted me to discover. And that is that God above all things is compassionate. My definition of compassion was weakness. I had to alter that definition. All compassion means to me is that I can look at you and see enough of myself to love you. I can look at you and see enough of myself to care. Compassion, with passion. That's the literal translation. Sometimes I'll call my friend Megan. I say, hey, come over. I'm finna have some compassion with you. Whether you like it or not. Come on. Because we have, because I have to practice compassion. It does not come naturally to me. Why? Because I'm walking around with my label maker. I'm going to tell you what. I made a lot of labels on that puppy. Never typed up compassion. Does it have two Ps? Listen, as that very wise person once said, what if, what if the only thing we're doing here is walking each other home? What if all I'm doing here is trying to walk you home? You're not about to want to walk with me if what I'm doing is beating you up while we're walking down the road. If I don't have any compassion, if I don't have any room, if I don't have enough God, I won't be able to look at you. Listen, 
I won't be able to look at you with any kind of, with any kind of depth and say, let me walk this part with you. It's not even what we deserve. So I was in a meeting, I was in a meeting, a work meeting recently, and, and the guy that was leading the meeting, he said, well, can you, can you teach, can, can you teach people how to care? Can you teach people how to care? And I said, well, I don't think you can teach them how to care, but I think I can. <laughs> and he laughed and I said, here's the problem, sir, with why this isn't working for you. The only way you can teach people how to care is to care for them. The only way we teach the women we sponsor compassion is to show them some. The only way that we, that we grow toward God in meetings is when that person starts to share and we don't want to hear it again, is instead of pulling away and going, oh my God, again, to lean into it and say, what is it, God, again? See, that's my problem. I can't get to compassion because I'm all wrapped up in my judgment. And I sit back and go, I can't believe she's sleeping with that other guy again. <laughs> Nobody here at the Southern meeting. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me again. Those are some of the most beautiful words we can say to each other. Tell me again. Tell me again what happened to you. Tell me again where you lost your way. Tell me again what you need. Tell me again. Because I don't want to forget. I want you to go home tonight, look at the person you love and say, I want to stay here long enough for you to tell me again. You said to me something once, but obviously you use a lot of energy when you are speaking. That's you a rumor. You said to me something once about emptying yourself out before you actually get up and speak before uh, an audience. Can you describe what that process is like and what you mean by that? Once I agree to go somewhere, like here tonight, I know that it's God calling. And I always look at God and go, help me, help me, help me not be in the way. I don't want to tell them anything that's not from you. I don't want to lead them away from you. So, so I want you to know that that thing with John is in about seven months. And we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and so what I do is every day I give whatever I find to God. It's like when you're about to have a party. Well... I've heard that other people do this. When you're about to have a party and you go through your house and you clean everything. <laughs> I've heard people do that. I, I, uh, and you just dust everything and you touch it again, right? Because you, you're dusting and you, and then you, you, you touch every, every part of the floor because you sweep it and you mop it and then, and then every surface you wipe down with something to make it beautiful again. It's like that when I'm getting ready to come here to see you. And, and the, the hard part is that, is that sometimes 
you know, you go through all that, and then you do the best you can, and then invariably, invariably you find out that it wasn't enough for some people, that they didn't like it, that they didn't get anything from it. And I told John, every light attracts different bugs. So if you've been sitting here all night and you didn't like this, it just means I'm not your light. And it also means you ain't my bug. (laughs) (laughs) Last one here. What would you like your eulogy to sound like when it's all said and done? Through a very strange set of circumstances, I recently ran into a woman here who I met at her first few meetings 20 years ago. And when we put all that together and realized that we knew each other, she says to me something to the effect of, I went there getting court papers signed. She said, but I remembered you. I remember that you gave really good hugs. I remember that you were smiling, that smile. I remember that smile. And I remembered, I remember how happy you were. People, do you know how hard it is to be happy for 20 years? <laughs> Listen, I want it all to say she left no stone unturned. It was an examined life. It was one all filled all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. But mostly I want every single one of you to be able to say with a full and grateful heart she left me better than she found me. But mostly I want to spend the rest of my life here with you that God might sustain us in these efforts for so long as he shall need us I want to spend all the rest of my days here with you, looking you in the eye and asking you to please tell me again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brenda. We got a little uh, gift for you here. Thank you very much. This is uh, a fan of Sober Speak painted this just for you. It says, love, light, and laughter. There you go. God bless you. Thank you so much, friend. And so we're going to pass it back. And in keeping with the seven tradition, each AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. We pass the basket at the close of this meeting. Just so you all know, this is a break-even event. 
uh, we take the money, we put it some, towards some uh, uh, refreshments and such that we bought, uh, and then uh, we give a, uh, an honorarium to both our entertainment, Ms. Wendy, and also to Mr. Preston back there who is running the audiovisual equipment. So, just some uh, uh, recognitions here before we uh, close up. First of all, to all the volunteers, there's so many people that help with this thing. Um, Oh, I know I'll forget if I just start naming people, but if you, if you helped in any way, will you please stand up for us? Thank you very, very much. So, again, the newcomer cheer people are Tiffany, if you need to talk to somebody if you're a woman, and then uh, Curry, if you are a gentleman. Once again, thank you for Grace Avenue United Methodist Church, this church here, for letting us use this space Please give them a big round of applause. And Laura Eccles Richter in particular, I don't think she's in here, but uh, if you see her tonight, uh, give, uh, please give her a hand. Once again, we have Preston in the back on the audiovisual. Thank you, Preston. And then we have Wendy over here with the uh, entertainment. And once again, last but not least, Miss Brenda J, everybody. Yes, 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 yes. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, so let's go ahead and circle up and say the Lord's Prayer. All right, we all hooked up? Who's Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you all very much. Thank you, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you again, Miss Brenda J. for sharing your thoughts and your insight with the people in that audience and the SoberSpeak audience as a whole. I sure do appreciate your time. And once again, folks, if that episode or any of the other episodes inspired you, please pause your device and share it with a friend or family member. It sure would be appreciated. All right, now on to a little bit of a listener feedback. And we not only have me reading some listener feedback tonight, we have my lovely bride, Shannon. Can you say hello, Shannon? Hello, everyone. So Shannon is coming here uh, just to mix it up a little bit and uh, read some of the listener feedback. So Kimberly writes in and Kimberly says, love the podcast. It helps me so much. So S-O-O-O-O-O, so much. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening in, Kimberly. Appreciate that. Kathy writes in and Kathy says, Thank you, John, for providing such a wonderful resource. Resource, You have helped me through many bad mornings as I listen to your podcast on my way to work. I followed the help one, save two, and, am, and I am the secretary for, the Al-Anon, for my Al-Anon home group. Wishing you many blessings in 2020. I appreciate you 
You make a difference. My world is better with you in it. Best, Kathy. Well, you know what, Kathy? Our world is better within you, with you in it as well. And I appreciate that. By the way, that help one save two comes from Mr. Steve and our super secret Facebook group. All right, Miss Shannon, I'm going to go ahead and let you read the next one here. All right. My, uh, Bob S. writes in, my name is Bob S. and I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is 2-2 two, two of two, 2019. I am a doctor from New Jersey. It was becoming harder and harder not to drink during working hours, and my hands were shaking, and I knew I had to stop. I was unable to do so by myself and somehow went to my first AA meeting, Early Birds, in Highstown, I believe, New Jersey. At my first AA meeting, someone was celebrating 26 years of sobriety, and I was amazed. After introducing myself, I was told to keep coming, so I did. For nine months, I came every week. I finally got a sponsor and am just now doing step work. I am attending more meetings at the suggestion of my sponsor and can feel a change in myself. I seem to want more and more. This is how I happened upon Sober Speak. I love the podcast and feel they are helping me stay sober. I got some, I get something out of each one. My, there we go. I'm sorry. My, <laughs> you go right. Little ahead. issue with my computer here. All right. I get something from out of each one, out of each one, and always feel better after hearing them. There is much wisdom in AA meetings and your guests and podcasts. Thank you much for providing this service, Bob S. Bob S., you are so fortunate to have my wife, Miss Shannon, read your uh, feedback, and I sure do appreciate you writing in. And you're right, Bob, there is so much wisdom in AA meetings and the guests that I bring in here too this podcast. I appreciate it. You want to read, want to read Brian, Miss Shannon? Sure. All right, John, amazing 100th podcast with David in step 10. I got to listen to it today. Thank you for your work on this podcast series. This one, or the one on step 10 with David really touched me. I listened to podcasts on drive back from a family visit in Fredericksburg and was touched. It was what I needed when I needed it parentheses God. My sobriety date is July 7th of 2003, recently with a new sponsor and new home group, moved from Dallas after 16 years to Las Colinas, and looking for a step study group. Please ask David to reach out to me as I live in Las Colinas and am very interested in his study. Thanks again, Brian. So as kind of a follow-up to that particular reading, and that is uh, I I did get Brian in touch with David, and uh, he is interested in participating in David G.'s uh, step study that he has here in the Dallas area. Uh, David's already into his... uh, Uh, He's about halfway through this last step study, so uh, Brian probably won't be joining in on this one, but he will definitely be joining in on the next one, and hopefully we'll be able to meet Brian uh, face-to-face here someday soon. All right, Shannon, you want to read the next one? By the way, Shannon, just kind of as a side note, yes, can you tell people what you've been doing over the past few days? And by that, I mean, what have you been preparing downstairs in that kitchen? I have made a lot of Christmas cookies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what are you going to do with all those Christmas cookies? They are gifts for friends. Except for the ones that we devour. Yes, which are not that many, <laughs> well, hopefully. <laughs> comparatively speaking, but there's a lot of cookies down there. Well, we can still give some away. So tell people what you made. What kind were they? 
I made Oreo truffles, about a thousand gingerbread men. The recipe said it made 20, and I think it made a hundred gingerbread men. <laughs> so that was a nice surprise. <laughs> Decorated each one. Um, made it the peanut butter blossom. Is it the peanut butter? Is that the ones that have the the, the Hershey kiss in the middle? Yes. Oh, those are so good. Those are very good. And yeah. sugar cookies with icing. Oh, and they're all incredible. And, uh, and this is what I don't talk about this a lot on the podcast, but uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am a, a vegan. I have been mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. But when she makes these cookies, <laughs> I am non-vegan. <laughs> That's right. Because I uh, have to uh, go partake in some of those. All right. Why don't you read the next one from, I think it's Katen. Is that how you pronounce that, you think? I think so. K-A-T-E-N. All right. So it says, hi, John. So my sobriety date is July 13th of 2019. I'm from Prineville, Oregon. I would say that's Prineville. Yeah. Prineville. Yep. I've got two kids and a wife. I go to a meeting daily, work the steps and have an awesome sponsor. I have struggled with addiction my whole life. My first treatment was when I was 15 and I'm now 33 and just completed my eighth treatment. I refuse to give up on recovery because recovery has never given up on me. Mm, That's a good way to phrase that. This time around, I'd like to think I'm working my program the way I'm supposed to, and so far, every prayer in my life has been answered. I'm blessed to have what I have today because Lord knows what I I don't deserve it. I love your podcast. I listen to it daily. I've battled with every drug and overdosed more times than I can count, but it all starts with alcohol. I almost lost my arm to using IV drugs three years ago and continue to use when I got out of the hospital. Um. I got, yeah, let's just call that, let's, I think, I think it's, it's called necrofasciitis. Necrofasciitis, and he says, didn't mind the spelling, don't mind the spelling, laugh out loud. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is like a uh, flesh-eating bacteria, Maybe? if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, we'll just say it's necrofasciitis. I will what be it, Googling this afterwards. <laughs> because you know every <laughs> medical term there is. I've heard of it, but I can't. I think it is the, anyway. (laughs) Whatever it is, it doesn't sound good. It sounds terrible. Mm -mm. The insanity of my disease has almost killed me numerous times. Like the jaywalker in the big book. You are a blessing is is everyone you talk with. Thanks again, Caden. Uh, and you are a blessing as well. And I agree about the insanity of this disease. Uh, Oh boy. It's a... it's really sad it how what it can do to a an individual and to a family and to their friends. But uh, it sounds like you're on the right path, Kaden, and I'm really glad to hear that. All right, the next one from Kate. You want to go ahead and read that, if you will, please, Miss Shannon. Sure. It says, "Hey, John, I recently moved to Oregon after losing my wife." parentheses divorce. I had 10 years under my belt and things slowly crumbled and my ego grew again, eventually relapsed and was suicidal, quit a a great city job and pushed my wife away. My recovered uncle with 16 years flew out and took me to Oregon to live with him and his wife, sobered up and relapsed two more times in the last year, sober now for a week and loving AA for the first time. Finally, I decided to turn my life over to my higher power. Long story, but that's the gist. I really enjoy all the episodes, but Charlie L. and Jimmy D.'s episodes really resonated with me. I found you on Spotify searching either Recovery, AA, or Sober. Not sure which one it looks like. The Way Out is a good cast. 
I'm sorry, I'm going to start. The Way Out is a good cast, too. As he's talking about uh, The Way Out is another podcast by oh, Mr. Okay. Charlie. And he's been on mine, and I have been on his. And he's right. That is a very good podcast as well. It is. Thanks for turning me on to it. Kate. Kate. Well, thank you, Kate. And th- well, you know, Shan, this was actually kind of fun. I enjoyed this. Thank you for coming in here and uh, recording this with me. You're welcome, John. All right, folks. And now, as I mentioned on the front end of this episode, next up is the live music that was recorded during our Sober Speak live event with Brenda, with, with Brenda J. But the music is by Wendy Child. The audio, as I mentioned, is not perfect, but it's good. It's good. It's very good. Do enjoy. Look forward to seeing y'all next week. And my wife has something to add here. You have Wendy's um, URL for her website on the podcast, don't you? I do. Have so that if they're yeah, if the music's not sounding too great, they can go to her website. That's right. So in well, see, so is it on her website? They can get more information there. I think you know. It will have links to Spotify. Okay. So, yeah. And we also have it. I know, though, that it is in the episode notes. And perhaps that's what you're thinking about. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. If you pause your device and you look at the episode notes or show notes, as they're called nowadays, I'll have a link to Windy Child Music. And you can follow that there and pick up her music from that point. But thank you for reminding me. All right, everybody. God bless. We love you. Have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. Well, welcome to Sober Speak. Y'all keep hanging out. Grab some coffee. Grab some snacks. I'm just going to play a few songs. Here we go. There's a fire starting in my heart. Reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark. Finally, I can see you crystal clear. Go ahead and sell me out, and I'll lay your stuff bare. See how I leave with every piece of you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. But there's a fire starting in my heart, reaching a fever pitch, and it's bringing me out the dark. The scars of your love remind me of us that keep me thinking that we almost had it all. The scars of your love that leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we could have had it all. Rolling in the deep, you had my heart inside. And you played it to the beating Baby, I have no story to be told But I've heard one on you and I'm gonna make your head burn Think of me in the depths of your despair Make a home down there cause mine sure won't be shared the scars of your love remind me of us that keep me thinking that we almost had it all. The scars of your love that leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we could have had it all. Rolling in the deep, you had my heart inside. Your hand
And you played it to the beat And we could have had it all Rolling in the deep You had my heart inside of your hand And you played it to the beat And throw yourself through every open door Count your blessings and find what you look for. Turn your sorrow into treasure gold. Pay me back in time. Reap just what you sow. The scars of your love remind me of us. They keep me thinking that we almost had it all. The scars of your love, they leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we could have had it all. Rolling in the deep, you had my heart inside of your hands. And you played it to the beat and we could have had it all. my heart inside of your hands and you played it to the beat and whoa well thank you Well, you done done me in your bed, I felt it I tried to be chill, but you so hot that I melted I fell right through the cracks Now I'm trying to get back Before the cool done run out, I'll be giving it my bestest And nothing's gonna stop me but divine intervention I reckon it's again my turn To win some or learn some But I, I won't hesitate no more no more it cannot wait i'm yours Open up your mind and see like me Open up your plans and then you're free Look into your heart and you'll find Love, 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 love Listen to the music of the moment People dance and sing We're just one big family And it's our God-forsaken right to be loved Loved, 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 loved Oh, I, I won't hesitate no more, no more. It cannot wait. I'm yours. Ooh, yeah. I've been spending way too 
too long checking my tongue in the mirror and bending over backwards just to try to see it clearer but my breath fogged up the glass so I drew a new face and I laughed Guess what I be saying is there ain't no better reason To rid yourself of vanity and just go with the season It's what we aim to do Our name is our virtue But I won't hesitate no more No more It cannot wait I'm sure so please don't hesitate, our time is short, this is our fate, I'm yours, ooh, 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 ooh. yeah, I'm yours, Thank you, thank you. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take your sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Hey, Jude, don't be afraid. You were made to go out and get her. The minute you let her into your skin, you can begin to make it better. World upon your shoulders. Is it cool by making the world a little colder? Hey, 
don't make it bad take a sad song and make it better remember to let her under your skin then you begin to make it better song so you're not gonna know it but this one is called boss lady it's a real sassy song so we're gonna do it and then I'll play you one more and then we're gonna get started sound good two more songs all right this song is called boss lady here we go Behind your ravens, dropping money, breaking hearts. You wanna kill it while you still can. With easy women, fast cars, but ladies, if you met a man this slick, and he tryna play those tricks, don't you let him waste your time. You tell him I'm a boss. Ooh. Tell him I'm a boss. Ooh, 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 you tell him that it's very nice to meet ya. Bless your little sweetheart, you can never handle me. Listen, I'ma try to say it nicely. I'm a little feisty, you could have me in your dreams. You tell him I'm a... You're making passes at the bar on Broadway. Cheap drinks in glory days. You think I want to hear about your high school trophies? Oh, please, I'm the trophy. I'll be here shaking while my mama gave me while all your daddy gave you was those issues. Baby boy, you must be crazy. So tell me, have you ever met a boss? Have you ever met a boss? Ladies, if you met a man this slick. And he trying to play those tricks Don't you let him waste your time You tell him I'm a boss Ooh, ooh, ooh You tell him I'm a boss Ooh, ooh, ooh You tell him that it's very nice to meet ya Bless your little sweetheart You can never handle me Listen, I'ma try to say it nicely I'm a little fat you could have me in your dreams You tell 
I'm a boss lady. You know I'm the boss lady. Work hard, call shots. I'm the boss lady. Get paid. My name is the boss lady. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You tell them I'm a boss. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You tell them I'm a boss. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You tell them that it's very nice to meet ya. Bless your little sweetheart. You can never handle me. Listen, I'ma try to say it nicely. I'm a little feisty. You could have me in your dreams. You tell them I'm a. All right, y'all, I got one more song for you and then we're gonna get started. Sound good? All right, I am a real sucker for Katy Perry. I love me some Katy Perry. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, these are my people. I feel good. All right, so this is one of my favorite Katy Perry tunes. This is called Roar. Bite my tongue and hold my breath Scared to rock the boat and make a mess So I said quietly Agreed politely I guess that I forgot I had a choice I let you push me past the breaking point I stood for nothing So I fell for everything You held me down, but I got up Hey! Already pushing off the dust You hear my voice, you hear that sound Like thunder gonna shake the ground You held me down, but I got up Already cause I've had enough I see it all, I see it now I got the eye of the tiger The fighter dancing through the fire Cause I am a champion And you're gonna hear me roar Louder, louder than a lion I'm floating like a butterfly, stringing like a bee. I earn my stripes. Hear my voice, hear that sound, like thunder gonna shake the ground. See my voice, you hear that sound. I've got the eye of the tiger. I am a champion, and you're gonna hear me roar louder, louder than a lion, 'cause I. I'm a champion, and you're gonna hear me roar, roar, You're gonna hear me roar, 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 roar. I got the eye of the tiger. Dancing through the fire Cause I am a champion And you're gonna hear me roar Louder, louder than a lion Cause I am a champion And you're gonna hear me roar 